now listening to the first ever episode of the Stir the Pot podcast featuring your host, Marshall Green. And I just want to shout out my guy Vander for giving me this beat for this intro. This thing's slapping. I appreciate everybody that's tuned in. That really means a lot to me. We got an action-packed first show. Going to go about 40 minutes long, maybe a little bit more, but uh, I'm excited, and um, let's get it. I've always talked about doing a podcast, and I've always known that one day I would get around to it. And I've always wanted it to be perfect. I... I didn't want to put anything out that wasn't up to the standard that I wanted it to be. I wanted everyone to like it. I wanted everyone to listen and enjoy it. And for me, I realized that that wasn't important. For me, it's about getting reps. It's about me getting better. I'm not a finished product in this sports journalism world or sports broadcasting world. I know I have a lot to learn, and I know I can get a whole lot better. I, I, don't, I wouldn't even say I'm good yet. I'm just getting started. But in saying that, I guess I'm trying to say I, I do want this first episode to be memorable. I, I want it to be something that I can look, you know, 10 years from now and see this is where I started. And I, and I couldn't think of a better topic than talking about Eli Manning. And his retirement and what that means for the Giants and what he meant for the Giants and honestly what it meant for me. I mean, since I was 10 years old, I've been watching Eli Manning play quarterback for the New York Giants. He he has a near and dear spot next to my heart. I can't deny that. I mean, growing up, Eli Manning was someone that I dreamed of being. I wanted to play quarterback for the New York Giants. I wore number 10 because of Eli Manning. And honestly, when I think about Eli Manning, I think about New York Giants football. And when I think about New York Giants football, I think about my brother and my dad. It's just something that it's in our blood. It means something to us to be a fan of the New York Giants. Sundays at our house growing up, they were a big deal. If the Giants won, the house was happy. If the Giants lost, you didn't come out of your room. (laughs) It's just what it was. We lived and died with the success and the losses of the New York Giants. Watching the Giants games at our house, it was different. You know, a lot of people like to get together and watch their team play, invite all their friends over, make it a big deal. But no, not at our house. It was me and my dad and my brother. And that's that's it. My dad didn't like watching the games with anybody that wasn't us. He didn't... I felt like he didn't feel like he could be himself. He wore his emotions on his sleeve when he watched the Giants. And that's, that's where I got it from. I love him. I love him to death. And... When I think of the Giants, I really, there's a lot of things I really think of. And I, you know, the two Super Bowls, the 
those are two of the most happiest times I've ever been. Um, but I think of all the times that me and my dad were watching. My brother graduated high school in 2008, so I was 13 at the time. And I just, I just always think about those next five years when I was living at home. It, it was just a thing that me and my dad, no matter if it was a 12 o'clock game, 3 o'clock game, Sunday night, Monday night, or Thursday night, it was, it didn't have to be said. We just knew we were either meeting outside in the garage or we were, we were watching in the front room. It's just what it was. We just met there. And those are times that I'll forever cherish. We weren't really good at all. We had one good season from the ages of 14 to 18 for me. We made the playoffs once. And just, even though we were losing, those were some of the most fun times I'll ever have, just me and my dad, watching those games, cooking food all day, hanging out. Just some of my favorite moments of watching the Giants, I just picture of being in the garage where, if you don't know, my dad's got the most badass man cave you'll ever see. Giants gear everywhere, Knicks gear everywhere, yeah, we're Knicks fans, we know. Uh, Yankees gear everywhere, Rangers gear everywhere, hockey Rangers. But it's just, we, at the greenhouse, we were New York Giant fans. And it, and it means something to us to be New York Giant fans. And I guess what I mean by that is it meant something to, to watch Eli Manning played quarterback for the New York Giants for 16 years. That's over half of my life. And just, I always thought I would be extremely sad when he retired. And I am sad, but I'm not like an emotional sad. It's more like, it's kind of made me realize that time is going to go on and it just goes so fast and it just keeps picking up. But to talk about Eli, the main everyone is talking about, or when he retired, the question on all the sports media shows were about if he was going to be a Hall of Famer or not. You know, it was it was really a mixed opinion. I would say honestly, about fifty percent said yes and fifty percent said no, and I honestly agree. I think it's about a fifty-fifty split. I mean, when I look at Eli Manning and I try to be objective as I can. I mean, I love him. I'm a New York Giants fan till I die. But he does have a career record of 117 and 117. So I under he's thrown a lot of interceptions. He he oftentimes, like my dad said, he played like a rookie. He'd be in his eighth or ninth, tenth year, fourteenth year, and he was still playing like a rookie. He would just make those mistakes sometimes and you would just be dumbfounded and his, the look on his face would explain just what the hell is going on. It's Eli was different. He, he was fun to watch, though. That's one thing I will always admit. Eli was so fun to watch. And it always felt like if we could just get Eli the ball last with a chance to win or tie the game, we would be all right. I don't care what people say about Eli Manning, but I think at this point it is a fact. The guy was clutch. There's no denying that. He has 37 game-winning drives in his career. 27 fourth-quarter comebacks. 
He's tied for third with five game-winning playoff drives. There's no way that anybody can deny that Eli Manning is clutch. And I think that's what made him so fun to watch. Like I said, you knew if he got the ball last and there was a chance to win or tie the game, you thought he could do it. Does that make you a Hall of Famer? No. But the guy also won two Super Bowls. He did it in the Super Bowl twice. Two game-winning drives in the Super Bowl. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. And the only other players to be a two-time Super Bowl MVP? Bart Starr, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, and Tom Brady. And that Tom Brady guy, he's the guy that Eli Manning beat twice in the Super Bowl. I know it's not a head-to-head quarterback versus quarterback, but when you have on your resume that you beat the best football player ever in the Super Bowl twice, and one of those years, his team was 18-0, and I just think that matters. I think those are two events that occurred in the NFL that will forever be a part of the history when it's being told. And I think that's a huge criteria when it comes to judging a player and whether or not they are worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. If you can tell the NFL story without someone, that doesn't bode well for their NFL Hall of Fame candidacy. But when you can't, like you can't with Eli Manning, that makes it tough. So at the end of the day, when I look at it, trying to be as objective as I possibly can, I have to say Eli Manning is the Hall of Famer. And the way I look at it is, he probably, he wasn't a Hall of Fame talent. He didn't do anything, you know, attribute-wise, really at a Hall of Fame level. He didn't have elite arm strength. He damn sure wasn't mobile. But he was tough. He was tough as hell. He took a lot of hits where it was like, I would look at my dad and we'd both say at the same time, I don't know if he's getting up. That 2011-2012 NFC title game versus the 49ers was brutal. The guy got sacked six times and hit 20 times. He threw 58 passes and got hit 20 times. Just think about it. The Giants were on the road. They were wearing their white jerseys with the red stripes on the shoulder pads. And his jersey was so green and brown. It was muddy as hell. The guy got beat up. One time he got he got hit, I think it was by Alden Smith. And he got up and his helmet was halfway off his head and his chin strap was across his nose. Calling timeout. The guy was an ultimate warrior. He started 205 consecutive games. Talk to any coach. And they'll tell you the best ability is availability. And Eli Manning was always there. He was tough as nails. He was clutch. And he was a leader. I just think at the end of the day, you have to put him in the Hall of Fame. Not as a first ballot. 
He doesn't deserve that. But that guy's a Hall of Famer. For 16 years, the Eli Manning blessed the New York Giants. I hope I hope the Giants realize that, and I think they do. I'm happy that they announced that no one will. I mean, it was obvious, at least you'd hope, but that they would retire number 10 and nobody would ever wear it again. But where that leaves the Giants, you know, if you asked me five years ago, I would say in hell, you know, in a horrible spot. We wouldn't, I don't know where we'd be, but I, I really like Daniel Jones. I do. I, I wasn't a fan of the pick. I don't think any really Giants fan was a fan of the pick at the time, at least not at number six. But he really surprised me his rookie year. He's he's calm in the pocket. He's he's athletic, which is as much as I love Eli, it's refreshing. He can extend the play with his feet. He can pick up a third and eight when nothing's open and the defense breaks down and he can scramble and get you 12. The guy's just a player. And if you haven't really watched him, you're missing out because he's extremely talented. Hopefully we can, you know, get some help around him up front, give him some time to throw. We've got some weapons. But we'll see. I'm excited. I'm going to miss Eli. And yes, he's a Hall of Famer. And even if you don't, think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. That's okay. But I think the thing that he said at his press conference where he announced his retirement was the thing that we should all remember. And I quote, Wellington Mara always said, once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. come back from that Eli topic the next thing that I really wanted to touch on which I haven't even really been able to express the way I feel about it or not even how I feel about it more so how it made me feel is the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and everybody else that was on that plane I don't even know what to say still and it's been, what, two plus months? It's just heart-wrenching. I mean, I remember when I, where I was, what I was doing. I, I walked out of my room, and I walked into my living room, and I was looking at Twitter, and I kept on seeing R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. And I was like, what? Is it? No way. No way. Like, there's no way. So I kept on refreshing my app. I closed it out, you know, reopened the app, refreshed my feed, and it just kept on coming. And there was no official source yet. So there was always this thought in the back of my mind, or I guess it was a hope and a prayer, that it wasn't true. And this was all fake. 
there's just no way. Your superheroes aren't supposed to die. I mean, it's Kobe Bryant. It's for anyone that ever picked up a basketball in the 2000s and the 2010s. Wanted to be Kobe Bryant. At one point on a basketball court, they shot a basketball and said, Kobe! It's just... He is so deeply ingrained in the basketball culture in the world. As kids and fans of sports, we we put these athletes on pedestals and make it seem like they're bigger than you know just the regular human and we looked up to them and we idolize and worship them and to think that somebody of Kobe's stature and his magnitude could be taken in such a tragedy like it happened I just know that Kobe was someone that taught me how to be a competitor when at all costs playing sports growing up and you know Kobe was in his prime at that time it was if you didn't win it didn't matter do what you have to do to win the game he just had a mentality about him that was different than any other player that I've seen play any sport not just basketball just the relentlessness that he played with, the attacking style. He was the aggressor. And I think that's something that you can look at and just think that that's how someone plays a sport. But I think that's something that you can apply to your life. You can take control, be the aggressor, be relentless in your pursuit of your dreams. Be the best you can be. Outwork anybody. First one in, last one out. I think all those things embody who Kobe Bryant was. And it's for sure things that I'm going to take from him. And have taken from him. And it's just, it's so, it's just... You know, you get that feeling in your stomach when you talk about it almost. Like, it's still not real. For the first week after, I wasn't watching any news if the Kobe Bryant thing came on. I mean, if, and if anybody knows me, I can sit in the house and watch sports media talk shows all day. And, like, if anyone else that watches that knows, for the next two and a half, three weeks... All they did was talk about Kobe Bryant. And I couldn't watch it. I, I wasn't ready. And I'm not even a Lakers fan. It's just the tragic moment and who he was and how sad with his daughter. How sad it is for his wife and his family. And for, I mean, everyone involved. I don't know if I'm ever going to get over it. So I don't know how any of them or any of their loved ones would ever get over it it's terrible it really is it is terrible for me at least it's 
Let's put a lot of things into perspective. Tomorrow is not promised. Neither is the next five minutes. Cherish every moment you get to experience. The highs, the lows. Learn from everything. The losses, the wins. Not just in sports, but in life. on the phone right now my good friend one of my best friends Isaac Peterson he's a long time Kobe fan one of the biggest I know Isaac can you hear me yep 100% hey what's going on man nothing much man just take day by day in this quarantine I know man things are crazy out here things are crazy but let's get to it um one of the reasons I had you on like I said you're one of the biggest you know Kobe fans I know and just touch on it a little bit, because uh, we know we're trying to, you know, brighten the mood up. But how? What were your initial reactions to what what you saw and what you heard? Um, what was the crazy thing was I was asleep. I was still sleeping, and what woke me up was my phone buzzing so much, and I had everybody in the blue calling me, like friends, family, and when I was like, okay, once I saw his friends like calling me, I was like, nothing's wrong, like in my immediate family, <laughs> and then so like you know, I opened my phone and I was like, you know, let me just go to Twitter and let me see what's the the hoo because that's exactly where I'll see it first, and the first thing, major headlines, it's Kobe's died in a helicopter. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'm pretty sure that was the only words I said for a long time, for a few hours. And I was just like, because it was just unreal. And I remember I just texted everybody back, like, you know, that, like, called me. It was just like, hey, like, I'll call you later. I'll call you later. And the only person I called was my dad. And because, obviously, like, my whole NBA fandom wouldn't be anything without him. And um, and it just that's the crazy part is I called him. And he didn't pick up the phone because I figured he was talking to other people. And I was like, he'll call me back later. And he called me back in a couple hours. He was like, man, honestly, I just got it together. And I was like, I feel that. And I was Straight like, up. holy shit. And I was like, because I really didn't talk to many people that day. And I was just really kept to myself. and was just, Same. and you know, the more, the more news, the more news that came out, obviously, you know, and then, um, you know, once it was just him and then, you know, all the victims came out, especially, you know, his daughter and then um, all the, you know, the two other girls that played with their team. Okay. And it was ridiculously, it was ridiculously tragic. Um, but I mean, in other brighter notes afterwards, I mean, you know, the, the world, literally the world, you know, took a standstill and then showered, you know, Vanessa and, um, you know, Joe Bryan and his mom and, you know, everybody else with love and, you know, compassion. Cause I mean, it, you didn't really know who Kobe Bryant was. I don't think you really ever turned a TV on within the past 25 years. Uh, um, it just said, even if you didn't watch sports, you know, who Kobe Bryant was in some shape or form. No, seriously. And, and, and I think that's the best, that's the best part of his career is, with on the court you knew who he was and even if you didn't watch basketball you knew who he was and it was 
crazy because not many players have that impact. I mean, there's only, you know, so many handfuls of, you know, people in the world who have that impact. You know, some presidents and prime ministers don't even have that impact. <laughs> and, um, and I think that's also, you know, a thing to bring up with sports too, how powerful sports can be in some people's lives. I mean, like, I mean, since I was the age of six years old, I've been watching the Lakers play on national TV all the time. And my mm-hmm. dad would have his friends over, um, I would be chilling, just watching the game and just watching Kobe, Shaq, and everybody else just go at it. And then, you know, it was just be a regular season game and it come playoff times. I mean, it was like a it was like a party at the house. I mean, we're not even Lakers fans. We lived in the middle of Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like and it was like we, everybody's watching Kobe and Shaq and really you know, just wanted to see what what he was gonna do and at such a young age, obviously, coming out of high school, mm-hmm. um, at sixteen and not um not not many players did that until you know when they stopped it in was it 2003 2004 yeah. um and just the moments he he's had i mean yeah I mean, that's, tell me give me some of your favorite moments let's 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 talk about what he's what he's done on the court because yeah, okay. he, he's one of the best if some people will say the best ever but that's another yeah. debate but for now just give me some of your favorite kobe moments um definitely Definitely one for sure is definitely when he won um, the the fifth title. I remember I remember like strictly watching um, that series with my dad and my and my friends in Oklahoma. I had lived with them in, uh, for one year, like the sixth grade, and so um, we watched basketball 24-7 and literally I was one of the biggest Kobe fans ever my stepmom literally had like three of his jerseys <laughs> and she's like I said she's from North Carolina and that's that's definitely one of my favorites because like I said I'm not even a Lakers fan I'm a Bulls fan and I wanted him to win so bad <laughs> and it just it's just crazy it's just crazy how many moments besides just that fifth championship I mean the 81 game uh, 81 point game um I mean, if we'll be honest, uh, even when he was just a fans, like the four fifty, uh, what was it, four consecutive games yeah, of fifty points? Yeah, he had four <laughs> straight games of fifty plus points. <laughs> like I don't think, like, I don't think anybody has done that. <laughs> unbelievable! It's it's stuff that you really you thought was impossible until Kobe Bryant did it. Like yeah, eighty-one points in a game. I just remember the next morning waking up and watching Sports Center, and I was like, "Did that?" really just happened did a did a guy score 81 i couldn't even do that on like nba 2k back then yeah no without a doubt and that's and that's the thing is he just put up video game numbers all the time and his will to win it like i think it was was, his will to win was almost scary to some of his opponents and it was just like man like i really don't know what they do when i face this guy and that's what and i think that's what was was one of my biggest favorite, like just all around Kobe things. Is like he, like I don't think there's many f- men who could put fear into someone's eyes, but like if I would know for a fact if I was guarding Kobe across uh, from him, I would be definitely afraid. That would be, I'd be beyond afraid. <laughs> Even if I was one of the best defenders in the league, like I mean, there's, I mean, there's defenders that would talk to him all the time, and he would literally not say a single word. And like, <laughs> you know, for a fact, like, you weren't even getting to his head. It was just in a, a different mind space. And then even in, like, you know, um, I remember when, um, also, when I was in, like, sixth grade, I went to a sports camp in New York, and the Olympics were on, and, you know, that was one of our best 
Olympic years compared to the Dream yep. Team. Um, and so that team was stacked. I mean, Kobe, LeBron, Chris Paul, James Harden, Darren yeah. Williams. You, you go down the, the whole roster, and it was completely stacked. Um, Anthony Davis's first year, I'm pretty sure he was on that team. Um, and they, they were just bulldozing teams. They literally could not be stopped. And uh, and Kobe's over here dropping 30, 40. And like, and like everybody else like has 20, and it's just like he was the vet. Kobe, yeah, it was just like he was the vet, and then you just knew he, on top of that, like he was going to be the most dominant scorer, like on that team. Like if there was, I mean, there's only so many dominant scorers in the, in our lifetime that I've seen play basketball and i mean he's number one without a doubt and i mean you have you have lebron you have kd i mean but there's just like i didn't see anybody i've never watched anybody who had will like this guy exactly (laughs) the mama mentality was real man and for how stout and how big of a name he was he was so nice so genuine and just so just so black probably like like a, just a perfect like almost a perfect player in some sense of course he had his his roughness and you know when he first came into the league and you know and i mean of course if i was 18 years old playing in the city of la being one of the star players i'd be getting into some trouble also <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like where he came he, he really built himself from you know where he was very young and had a lot of people around him um and um for one of the most um legendary NBA teams of all time. So he had a lot of people um, who played for that team previous, you know, Magic Kareem helped him um, throughout his career. And that's just, that's one of the great parts. And it's, and it was very, it was just, it was so abrupt how it happened that it was, and it was just, he, he passed away doing something he loved and it was being the coach of his daughter's basketball team. And like a lot of people, I think didn't know about how, intact and in tune he was with girls basketball and with all his daughters playing basketball mm-hmm. they brought it to a lot of light like whenever after he passed away but like Kobe had been doing that for years like even before he retired like he was he was had you know Mamba uh, Academy during the off season and had a bunch of girls working there before he even had his own daughters being there and then once his daughters got there you know it would obviously you know blew up more because Gianna was really good <laughs> So and then you know it's just like you said it's just uh, all the all the fun moments I'll watch for sure on YouTube I've watched a bunch um, his last game I mean there's no way that you know you can't watch that and just and not like be happy but sitting there crying like, that's my favorite moment yeah. the last game <laughs> he went out on such a high note it wasn't a championship yeah. but it's almost a storybook ending where you can say Kobe Bryant on his last game ever scored sixty points. And hit the game winner. I mean, yeah, and yeah, completely hit the game winner of sixty points. I mean, he had every every celebrity known to America in in that stadium. He had all eyes it was like the Super Bowl. on TV. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was, I'm pretty sure it was one of like the most watched basketball games like ever, and it wasn't even like For a sure. playoff game. And, and 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 no, not like any disrespect to any other players, but no player is going to get a. I think besides LeBron, when LeBron retires, I think he'll probably be the last one for a while to have a for like, sure in sight right now. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, 
look at, I mean, no disrespect to Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to ever play our game. And, you know, when he played his last year, you know, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, something spectacular. And, you know, games were getting sold out because it was Paul Pierce's last not year. Not even for Dwayne Wade. Yeah, not, that's what I was going to say, you know, and not even for Dwayne Wade either. And, you know, and Vince Carter, you know, but like literally, I, I actually wanted to go to Kobe's last tour and I couldn't get uh, tickets to the Memphis Grizzlies game. Every game I looked up for Kobe during that year, all four times they played were sold out. And I was like, man, that's nuts. <laughs> and I was like, that's just so crazy that literally I, you want to see Kobe play his last time. <laughs> and then. Like I said, yeah, all right, well, rest easy to Kobe being Brian. Honestly, still, RIP, still, man. RIP. Still unfathomable for I sure. Still, yeah. RIP to him and his daughter and everybody involved. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, I appreciate you coming on, my guy. The first episode yeah, had you on talking about the bean, Kobe Bryant. Of course. Appreciate you having me. No problem, man. I'm sure you'll be back on sooner than later. Yeah, of course, of course. Alrighty, man. You be good out there. Wash your hands. Stay clean. Yeah, we'll do. Later, buddy. You know, I never thought there would be a day where I would wake up and every single sports league was canceled. Every single sporting event was canceled, small to big. I never really thought I could live without sports. But here I am. Things aren't going great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm hanging in there. But no sports, it's it's not my favorite thing ever. I've um, tried to fill my time with other things. Not Not being able to come home after a long day and being able to turn on a game is... It's not fun. I usually, you know, I used to, I like to start my mornings and turn on First Take or a sports debate show and just let it roll. Eat breakfast, do some homework, and go to class. It's became a part of my routine. But now, it's just without sports, it's not the same. continue on the talk of no sports um i'm actually joined right now with one of my really good friends his name is Corey webb Corey webb what's going on man what's good man thank you for having me man thank you thank no you. problem first episode man but uh cory is um one of the best flag football players in the world and he actually was selected to the team usa flag football team for the summer of 20 2018 2018. And then he was going to be again nominated this year for the summer of 2020. But Corey, can you can you tell us what happened? Yeah, obviously everybody know the situation of the uh, coronavirus, and we all need to be safe out there and figure out everything what we need to do so we can get back uh, get back doing what we need to do. But prior to the uh, question you asked me, um, everything's been shutting down, so we have to wait back at least a year or two to get back with the USA. So when you heard the news that they canceled the tournament that was going to be in Denmark this summer, uh, how did you feel about that? I feel kind of disappointed, man. I I was happy. I was really happy to go back to represent for my uh, country, the USA. And when we had the uh, bad news of the situation, man, I it kind of hurt me a little bit. 
you went uh, to one of the tournaments in 2018. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that experience was like playing for Team USA? It was a great experience, obviously playing around with different uh, type of guys in the United States, uh, different areas, uh, Florida, Texas, New York, uh, California, you know, uh, et cetera. And we all didn't know each other at all. We didn't really practice or anything, but we, we were trying to get used to each other as, as much as possible as everything's going on in the USA. The environment out there is totally different than any other environment I've ever been in my entire life. So especially going international. Yeah, where did they, where did they have you in twenty eighteen? Was uh, tournament Panama, Panama City. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was awesome, man. We uh, how'd y'all guys do out there? We actually won first uh, place. It was the score we that's played awesome. against Austria, uh, nineteen to thirteen. Okay. It was a really good game, and uh, our biggest opponent was Denmark. Denmark, everybody was on the team was at least 6'3 or higher. <laughs> at least 6'3 or higher. And I'm already 5'6, five, 5'7, five, so that's a big total difference. Nah, seriously. Those are some big cats. So I know that they were they were getting ready this year to go overseas again and, you know, do the Team USA tournament. Um, and they had kind of like a, uh, I wouldn't say a practice round, but like a kind of a warm up tournament that happened earlier in January here in Dallas. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, they picked uh, 20 guys That's uh, for the USA, and we split it up to try to equally uh, try to help out uh, both sides of the team, white and team blue, or team stripes or team stars. So two teams. So, yeah, two teams. Okay. So how were the two teams decided? Like, how did people decide which players were on which team? Uh, they kind of started off with the two quarterbacks. So, uh, team uh, uh, stars was us. We had Eric, uh, our re- remaining MVP, you know, MVP of the tournament, MVP of Panama. And the uh, team stripes had their other quarterback, uh, George. They were both in 2018. Yes, sir. Yes. They was really good. They had different systems. Uh, some of them like to do the dropbacks. Some of them don't like to do the dropbacks. And they'll call their play. He'll call their play, and they'll come in together. Just try to figure everything out, uh, which um, style is kind of like benefit uh, depending on the game. Okay. So they had those two quarterbacks, and they, they separated them up to see how they played without each other. So how did they decide, like, guys like you and your brother? Like, why didn't they put you guys together on the same team? Uh, I feel like why they didn't put them on the same team because we already had, like, good chemistry. Okay. So, I feel like in this tournament, what they had for the uh, Cowboys, they had the extradition when all the countries came. They wanted to put different people on different teams just to see how well they worked together. Okay, that makes sense. So, kind of see how you did with people you never played with before. So, who was someone that you, I mean, you, you obviously knew everybody by word of mouth that came out there and played, but who was someone that... Someone that you knew or someone that you didn't know that came and just really played well that weekend that you were surprised with? Uh, Terrence Bunn, uh, a.k.a. TB, a.k.a. Herb Life. From Fighting Cancer? (laughs) From Fighting Cancer. He was a great player. He's a really, really great player. Like, everything he did was just, just, just to be that big and be that tall and be that agile and move like that for a 37-year-old, I was I was definitely shocked. I don't know about anybody else, but that was that was like my MVP of the of the whole tournament. He played really well. One thing that just jumps off the page when you watch him was 
how strong his hands were. It was like in every contested catch, he had someone draped over him, and he just he just swallowed the ball with his two hands. He had really, really strong hands. So if you had to say someone that you just really enjoyed playing with, or maybe even your favorite teammate that you got to play with this pat or that weekend, who who would you give that to? I mean, my favorite teammate, my brother, we always go at it. I mean, we're not blood brothers, but, you know, it, it, it can't be nothing uh, thicker or closer than that. But I love playing with Frankie. He always bring the best out of me. But who who really, who I really like was playing with Hoosh. He showed me something different, what what he can do. He, he was a very uh, versatile player, anything he done, I mean, on the field. Like, everything he did on the field was was really good, in my opinion. He was good at every position, cornerback, he rushed, he did star, very he went out and handoffs. It, it kind of shocked me a little bit, but and I know then and now that don't underestimate him. No, not at all. <laughs> that was my first time seeing him live, and that guy's short area quickness is just elite. He can, he's like a jackrabbit out there with the ball. He just moves so quick and agile. It's really something special to see. And like you said, he's good at every position. He may not be an A-plus at every position, but he can go out there and survive and play any position that he needs to. Great team player. That's a great team player. Good teammate? Great teammate. Great teammate. Whatever he done, he didn't argue. He didn't, he didn't do anything. Whatever we asked or whatever he wanted to know or whatever he felt like he needed really help or something that we need help on, he always kind of let us know. Like, he was... You know, he, he knew the game a little bit, you know, football, basically. Kind of like a veteran presence. Good, good V. Good, good that. Good V. Good V. And for all the listeners that don't know, Hoosh was the quarterback for Fighting Cancer, which is the American Flag Football League team that won the million-dollar tournament in 2018, and then his team, Fighting Cancer, won again the $200,000 tournament in 2019. With two USA teams in this tournament, how did that format go? Like when you guys played each other and you guys won, what happened? Obviously, whoever wins play in the Cowboys Stadium. So we did uh, two pool play, and then the number one seed obviously get a bye. If you win that game as number one seed, you go in the next day uh, um, to the championship playing the Cowboys Stadium. But if you lose, you are you uh, got a, a consolation game. But nobody don't want to lose. Yeah, I can tell you that nobody don't want to lose. But uh, playing in a Cowboys stadium and having everybody else trying to compete and 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 it was on and, ESPN and, too. And playing against everybody against different teams, different countries. Uh, shout out to uh, Japan that came out here. Shout out to um, um, Israel that came out here. Shout out to Canada that came out here in Mexico and. Panama, some of the Panama players that came here also, but if without y'all, we probably even have no type of expedition match. That's yep. No, that that was a really cool event. I got to go and watch um some of the best players in the world, and it's really sad that the tournament this summer is not going to be able to happen. But we got bigger things at hand that this country and this world need to attend to right now, and everyone just needs to stay safe and you know self quarantine, wash your hands. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I agree with it 100%. Uh, I kind of didn't believe it at first, and, and I kind of settled down and actually and just thought about it like, yeah, I man, I need to actually just relax and actually stay in the house and quarantine myself. Even you even mm-hmm. talked to me about about that. So um, I'm, I'm hard-headed, so it's, it's really, really safety is more than anything that we all need in the world and in life. So please be safe. 
Make sure you wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Do as much as you can so you won't do anything to catch any type of, of virus or germs or infection or anything. Because we need some sports back. We do. ASAP. This isn't fun. Can't do it. I can't do it. How I is mean, it? What's different for you now with no sports on? Uh, obviously, it's more time with your with yourself more than anything. Yeah. And if you have family, girlfriends, or whoever your loved one is, you kind of like spend more time with the with that person because you know certain jobs are obviously laid off because of the virus and terrible. And it's 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 really bad for everybody else to live on with their lives especially without sports because sports is kind of easily seeing you get away from all that yeah i mean just plan planning even watching it so i feel like sports just helped the world a little bit better absolutely no it's definitely a place where people can get away from their everyday stresses and find a little bit of happiness so Corey, i appreciate you coming on man uh it was a pleasure i appreciate it you got anything you uh, want to say to the people yeah man i appreciate everybody's uh that's listening and um just be yourself make sure y'all stay safe no germs sanitize soap shower whatever y'all need to do to stay safe and stay healthy man for sure so we can live our lives like we normally do and buy barbecue chicken gear, right? Yeah, man. Barbecue chicken, man. A.K.A. I don't know what barbecue chicken is, man. Well, barbecue chicken is basically like you you cooking them and grilling them. So, you know, nobody can't guard you. You know, it's barbecue chicken. It's like your alter ego. Kind of alter ego. You know, alter ego. It, it's, that's Corey and barbecue chicken is totally two different people. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. That's Corey Webb, a uh, flag football gold medalist. I appreciate it, brother. I knew even when I was going to start this podcast that I was going to name it Stir the Pot. It just, and I'm sure a lot of you are wondering or curious or even if you're not I'm going to tell you about how I chose that to be the name of this in my podcast for as long as I can remember and still to this day arguing and debating and just talking about sports with people is one of my favorite things to do I like to see where other people are coming from and how they form their opinions about sports topics that we're talking about and Something I've always liked to do is are give out some hot takes or something that may not fit the norm or has a lot of shock value. It's I like to get a reaction out of people when I'm when I'm talking about sports. I've just always in a way kind of like to stir the pot whenever I've talked about sports. Sometimes I when let's say I'm arguing with someone or talking or debating about a sports topic I may choose the opposite side someone is talking about, even if I don't agree with about what I'm arguing about, to just stir the pot and maybe piss someone off or something like that. Mm -hmm. I find things like that to be funny and entertaining. And it's just a way that I've always thought I would carve out my way through this sports media world. And with the name Stir the Pot, I've thought about having a recurring segment on this show, and I haven't really thought of a name yet. I'm still thinking. Um, I'll probably put a poll on Twitter or Instagram for all the people that fo- that followed those accounts. And 
let you guys choose the name of the daily segment, but right now I'm thinking of something like the daily stir or the stir of the day or the pot stir of the day or the daily pot stir, something along those lines where I give a, a hot take or my opinion on something where I'm just trying to stir the pot a little bit and just try to get some fan interaction going on and see what you guys think. The first thing that I wanted to talk about in this recurring segment was Dak Prescott and how I feel about him and where and why I don't think the Cowboys should give this guy a dollar over $35 million. When you look at the overall quarterbacks in the NFL today, it's, it's amazing how many good quarterbacks there are and young quarterbacks and quarterbacks that have so much more to learn and space to grow as a player. We're really in a time where the quarterback position is thriving, and that, that could be due to some of the rule changes and how the NFL has decided to protect quarterbacks, but I just think the overall talent at the quarterback position might be at an all-time high. And in saying that, I, I know me and my friends always like to talk about stuff like this, and today I want to talk about if you were starting a season tomorrow as an NFL coach, and you had to pick a quarterback where the talent around you was good, and it was the same with every quarterback. The talent was even. I can think of eight quarterbacks that I 100% would take before Dak Prescott. You got Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and I think these eight names are names that you just can't even deny. Names that you can't even argue that Dak Prescott is a better player than these eight guys. Tom Brady, and this is a no order, you know, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Carson Wentz. I just think if the talent's even around those guys, Dak Prescott would not even come close to being able to do what these guys would be able to do. Their quarterback ability is so just far and ahead above Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is a good player. He's, he's, he's overproduced from where he was drafted. No one can deny that. The guy was a fourth-round pick. The guy came in the league not to be a starter. He was, he was called and he was picked to learn under Tony Romo for a couple of years. But Romo did what Romo does, and he got hurt like he often did at the end of his career. And Dak was thrown to the fire. And I was impressed. His first year was amazing. He did come in with a very good team around him, but his first year was absolutely amazing. The guy threw for 3,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, and four interceptions. He, he went 13-3 and three as a rookie. You can't really argue against that. He probably could have been the rookie of the year that year, but it didn't happen, and I, I think Dak got a, got a bad shake when it comes to that. He, when people looked at Dak Prescott's success, they just gave the credit to Zeke and that O-line and everything that he had around him, but Dak's a great player, and there's no arguing that, but those eight names that I just named right there I just don't even think that you can argue that Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than any of those guys, especially if the teams were the same and 
the talent around each of these different quarterbacks were even. I just don't even think, like I said, you can't argue those guys. I'll say those names again. You got Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Carson Wentz. And those are in no order. Those are just guys that I think everybody should agree are better than Dak Prescott at playing the position of quarterback. And then I got a maybe category. A category where these guys have shown that they've been able to produce at a high level when talent was around them. These are guys that have been there and achieved things that Dak really hasn't yet. At least that's for sure with Matt Ryan. The guy got to a Super Bowl and he's won an NFL MVP. I just think anytime anyone wins an NFL MVP, you have to be a talented player. There's no denying that. Atlanta hasn't been that good in the last couple years, but Matt Ryan is still a good quarterback. When given time, the guy can make all the throws still. And another guy that I think maybe some people would say he is better than Dak and some people would say Dak is better than him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I stand on this one, but Kirk Cousins. The guy played amazing last year. For a good part of the stretch during the middle to the end of the season, people were talking about him being an MVP candidate. The guy was just putting up great numbers, and whether that was due to having two good receivers, I don't know. But the guy, like I said, I'm not sure if Dak is better than him or not. I would probably say Dak is better, and that's why I've got Kirk Cousins under the maybe tab. And I've got one more tab where it's in a year or two, these guys could or will be better than Dak Prescott. These are guys that, like, for instance, Kyler Murray. He was a rookie last year. He was the number one overall pick, and he showed signs why he was the number one overall pick. He was dynamic. He was flashy. But he could throw the football. He throws one of the best footballs I've ever seen. And he's just a playmaker. And I think in a year or two, especially with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, the sky is the limit for that kid, and especially under that offense. Cliff Kingsbury is going to have that guy slinging it. He could average like 35, 40 passes a game. And I just think he's got the ability to where in a couple years, if he just continues to get better like he did every single game last year, in two years, maybe even next year, he's going to be better than Dak Prescott. And who's to say any of the quarterbacks coming in this draft, whether it's Tua or Joe Burrow, won't be better than Dak Prescott in two or three years? Those guys are going to some bad situations. They probably won't. I mean, Joe Burrow's going to go to Cincinnati. And, I mean, unless two ends up with the Chargers, things are looking like he's going to end up with the Dolphins. And he's got Devontae Parker down there. I don't know if he's got the weapons around him to succeed right away. It may take a couple years. But he could. Him and Joe Burrow, on paper, if you asked any scout, are better quarterbacks than Dak Prescott. So I just listed about 12 guys, 13 guys, that eight are for sure better than Dak Prescott. Two maybes, one in a couple years, and possibly some people from the draft this year or next year. And if you pay Dak Prescott at the clip that the Seattle Seahawks are paying Russell Wilson, or if you even pay him more like Dak wants, 
there's no way you're going to be able to build a successful team around him. This is a salary cap sport. And if you don't know what that means, you can only spend X amount of dollars to build your roster. And for the past three years, Dak Prescott has been hitting against the cap for 500K. And the Cowboys couldn't build a roster around him well enough for him to succeed or make a deep run in the playoffs. How on earth are they going to do that when they're paying him $35 million? I don't know. I just don't see it. I think you pay Dak, but I think there's a number that you pay him at. And I don't think it's anything over 35. And quite frankly, I don't think... And, and quite frankly, I don't think it's anything over 31. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But my daily stir of the day is, if Dak Prescott is paid at a number that is even close to Russell Wilson. The Dallas Cowboys will not only never make the Super Bowl with Dak Prescott at quarterback, they will never win the Super Bowl with Dak Prescott at quarterback. That's just about going to wrap things up for us here over at Stir the Pot. This was was a great first episode. It's something I've really been looking forward to a long time, and um, it's good to get it over with. I had fun. I had some laughs. I'm just, I'm appreciative of everybody that's helped me out through the process. So if you made it this far, I appreciate you. I appreciate you tuning in and giving me 40 minutes of your time. I'm going to try and do about two to three episodes probably a week. But um, until next time, y'all be good. Peace.